Welcome to Ender's Game. Today, we're going to follow the story of Ender Wigan, who lives in the future on an overpopulated Earth, and he is going to be recruited to go to battle school. And battle school is an, an amazing place where he gets to command Dragon Army, and he uh, has to compete against other armies at battle school. And Ender, throughout the book, proves that he is the best from start to finish. And not only does he do it in battle with the other armies, but he does it on a personal level too. He's attacked multiple times over his life, and it leads him to become the ultimate soldier and the best commander. Today, we'll be exploring Ender's Game. Welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me today, as always, is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. Good to be here. Yeah, indeed. Good to be back uh, on the podcast and on YouTube. And so today, we are going to be taking a look at Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card, which was written in 1985. And um, yeah, so this episode, we're just going to be discussing this book. We're going to be looking at a lot of a lot of Ender's story and uh, the people around him, his friends, his enemies, um, some of the stuff that he goes through in Battle School, which you heard uh, earlier in the cold open. And then, yeah, and then in the next episode, we'll do a part two on this, where we'll look at some uh, of the ending of the book, his time in commander school, and then we'll look at some stuff from uh, about Peter and Valentine, his two uh, siblings. And so, yeah, that's going to be the general plan for the next two episodes. And so I hope you guys enjoy the discussion. Uh, make sure you guys follow Pages of Light on social media facebook instagram youtube all those different places you can also check out our website pagesoflight.com where we have a blog and uh you can see our other videos that we do there as well uh yeah gabe do you have any thoughts on ender's game i know you've read this book a few times as i've also read it a few times but it's always a really good read so i'm excited to have a discussion with you oh yeah this is gonna be awesome i've been reading um I've been trying to be Ender like on the frisbee field since college, and I never became the ultimate frisbee coach and captain. But that's okay. Ender still taught me a lot of things. So he's been my compa- companion for a long time. So I'm excited about the conversation tonight as well. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, so let's jump in. So to start off, we're just going to talk about ender as a character just who he is and what he's all about and some of his uh friends and the people that are around him throughout the story um so ender i think at the very beginning of the book he's six years old is is that correct he's six years old um i i think so he's like yeah he's real young either like five or six and which that on its face seems a bit crazy and i think a lot of I've seen a lot of like reviews for this book and a lot of people are like, kids don't act like that when they're six years old kind of a thing. Um, so, but that's, yeah. this is a so, science fiction um, book. So you have to just, you have to suspend disbelief for a little bit and remember that Ender is like a super prodigy specifically genetically bred to be this like amazing person. So, and so, yeah, and I will go into a little bit of the psychology on that. People are correct um, in stating that. So there was a um, psychologist known as Piaget who studies, who had three kids and he kind of studied their mental development and he kind of defined four stages for them. And it was sensory motor um, is the first one. And my students... Um, Uh, they they elegantly called it the eat sleep and poop phase of life because that's literally all you can do um and then they move on to piagian stages 
pre-operational ages two to seven years old uh, with symbolic thought. So that's more of concrete, like things exist, they can understand them. Um, and then there's also a thing called like object permanence where the child understands that if something goes under a blanket, like the teddy bear still exists even though it can't see it. But before that, they won't realize it's just out of existence completely for them. And then ages seven to 11, operational thought. And then formal operational adolescence, so like 13 on, that's where you get into this abstract thought. Um, and yes, I completely agree that um, this would only happen in a sci-fi universe because <laughs> you can't get through all those state. You know, Ender is barely into adolescence uh, at the end of the book, and um, or at the end of the ultimate battle. Um, and so, yeah, he hasn't progressed through all of those stages, and he's definitely not in those stages when he's in the early part of battle school. Sorry, side quest complete. <laughs> we had to take Sorry. a tangent and talk about. Uh, childhood development and psychology for a second. Yep. Although a yeah, lot of this sorry. book is about like psychology and how uh, mm-hmm. like you react to situations and how people like talk to you and how people treat you and like how you deal with all of those things uh, in life. So I think and I read. I, think I love a, the way. Oh yeah, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think like Ender um, embodies humbleness, you know, like even in the book when people are so demeaning in the way that they talk to him, like even before the last battle, Mazer Rackham goes, um, you know, maybe you'll amount to something in your life. And he's literally like the person that they are depending on. And he is like doing this amazing feat for mankind. And yet... You know, they they constantly talk down to him in this book. Um, And, you know, Ender just kind of deals with it in this kind of stoic way, Um, you know, which I think is is kind of, you know, um, a little godly, you know, to be humble, like to, you know, be obedient to the authorities that are around you. Uh, And even in points where he shouldn't have been because uh, they were not. (laughs) <laughs> they wanted something and it was and it put enders in harm in in harm's way which we will talk about in more detail to come um yeah. but yeah um that was my opening thought on ender yeah he's like um he's i'm thinking of star wars as like he's the ultimate chosen one and he actually like fulfills his chosen one there was no prophecy about him but He's like, everybody is depending on him and he knows that everybody's depending on him. But at the end, like he didn't necessarily know when that was happening because they like, basically they have been like lying to him throughout the entire story, essentially about, um, just the battle school commander school when the, the wars were actually going to be happening and when he was going to be needed and all these different things. Um, lies I think are it, work of the devil. Yeah. I think at one point, there was a quote in the book that I wrote down that said that a lot of times lies are more dependable than the truth because you can always expect people to lie um, in certain situations. Thought that was an interesting little nugget there. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Orson that, Scott Card has a lot of those. <laughs> he's got a good little nuggets, um, which, going from a Christian worldview perspective, that is very true because we're all have sinful natures and sinful. So our default state is to be people who lie and people who deceive. And it's not our uh, default to be people of truth and people who seek the good of others at all times. So, yeah. No, it is definitely not the default. You have to work to, to get to that point where you can be like, I don't need to tell lies. It takes a lot of like moral fortitude to just because lies yeah. are easy lies are just easy they just slide off the tongue and um even like small white lies i try to even avoid those when i can um it's just yeah i always try to approach like a true like you need to balance truth and grace so the truth is like you need to tell someone something and like you don't want to beat them over the head with it some people just come off very blunt and they have no grace and so it's like trying to find that balance of like I need to hit him with some truth, but I also need to do it in a graceful way. Um, yeah. And that's a very fine line to walk um, with whatever you're trying to tell someone who probably doesn't want to hear it. 
<laughs> yeah. But, but hey, we're called to do that. And uh, yeah, it's definitely something that you have to work for and like really try, you know, try not lying. A personal experiment. Try not lying for a week or something. See how it goes. <laughs> yeah. If you remember from our last, I think it was our last episode, I mentioned a quote from Jordan Peterson in his book, 12 Rules for Life. One of his rules was uh, tell the truth, uh, but at least don't lie. So it's like you should always be aiming to be truthful with people. But if you can't tell the truth outright, then at least don't lie to their face. That's kind of the general idea. Yeah. So go listen to that if you haven't already. We talked about (laughs) the Brandon Sanderson's Emperor's Soul. It's a good discussion there. Um, That was fun. Yeah. So getting back to Ender and uh, he... So, yeah, he's bred to be like the perfect person. He had two siblings. Uh, one was the oldest was Peter and then the middle one was Valentine. And so Ender is the third child, which makes him like kind of a cast off in the society because in this government in uh, on Earth, you're only allowed to have two kids unless the government explicitly tells you that you can have more. And because uh, Ender's siblings were so great but they just kind of missed the mark for the battle school they wanted they let them have right. a third child in hopes that ender would be like the blend of both of both peter and valentine and be like the ultimate kind of uh kid who can be um the one that they need to be in this battle school and to be the commander that they need for the war so i think it's just like that brings in a lot of things like politically like having kids or like genetic manipulation so i mean there's a lot of things we could talk about there but we'll just keep it basically basically looking at like ender as a character i don't know unless you want to host a session called (laughs) i'm gonna call this poke the bear session with verum verum do you think that the government should be allowed to limit the number of children that you have why or why not um no i don't think they should be able to do that because that's like just like a gross violation of your freedom as a human being to, and it's also a, a violation of God's great commission or our, or God's commission in Genesis at creation to be fruitful and multiply and uh, to fill the earth and all those different things. So yeah, I don't think it's uh it's really the government's responsibility to tell you how many kids that you should have. And even in America, like, the birth rate is slowly dropping anyway. So even if the government told people to not have more than two kids, people aren't really doing that anyways already. So it's uh, kind of moot, at least in America. I think China had that policy for a while. I'm not sure if they reversed it though. At some point, I think they've, they've stopped doing that though. Well, what do you think? You know, I haven't, um, you know, it is, it's, I haven't fully formed thoughts on it. I think I need to understand what I think God is trying to tell us about living under a government system. So I don't really know. So I I think I'm going to have to push the pause button on that and maybe we could revisit it in the future because I I think I need to understand more about what God wants before I can really answer that question. So I'm not too sure. Yeah, that's good. All good. Um, yeah, so let's let's shift discussion here, and um, let's just talk a little bit about. So the first person that Ender meets is, uh, well, not the first person he meets. Like the first person in like the story that's new for him is Colonel Graff, and he's kind of like the person who comes and talks to him at his school, and he's like, "We need to take you to the to the, to the battle school and all this kind of stuff," and he kind of. He accompanies Ender basically throughout the whole story. He takes him from Earth to he and goes to battle school, and then he's like the—is he like the like the administrator of the whole school? I think is that's what he does. He like runs the whole school. Yeah, he, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And he's the direct. You know, he's in charge of the education of these students from all over the planet. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's his role at the school, um, and he has kind of like this. Um, like he is with Ender, but he has kind of like removed himself. And one of the main themes is Graf is constantly isolating Ender. 
um, and he wants him yep. to thrive in this isolation. Um, yep. And it starts the moment that Ender gets on the uh, rocket to go to battle school in outer space. Um, he basically calls out Ender and says that he's going to be the best um, to every yep. like to everyone. And so that he always starts his isolation. And then he promotes him early uh, up into being a soldier from the Launchy group. So again, he's younger than everyone. And then, uh, yeah, he becomes a commander. And Ender kind of self-imposes isolation there. Um, And then, again, at command school, when he goes up there with Graf, uh, he is isolated from all students. He's just a number in, like, the tens of thousands of people that are on Eros. Um, So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of like... you know, but in in the end, we know that Graf does love Ender, but he is trying to get him to become something, and and Graf has a very specific plan for how to make him that way. Um, yep. So, yeah, Graf is an interesting character for sure. Yeah, as you were talking about that, um, it's not. I don't want to say Graf is exactly like this in any way, but it's sort of an allegory to how we can think about like God in our life, who God like loves us and he wants the best for us. But sometimes he puts us in situations that are, that we think are bad or going to be, or we don't like at the time, but they're actually for our benefit um, in some way. Now that allegory certainly breaks down because it was like a lot of um, maybe stuff that was just too much for Ender, but it was all in this, in the service of one purpose and one grand uh, strategy for Ender to become the person that, the human race needed him to be in that one moment. Right. And so they're almost like, he's almost like sacrificing Ender as a person so that he can just be this person that he needs to be for like this one singular moment in history almost. So like everything is building to this one moment in history. And then after that, it's kind of like, like they don't need him anymore essentially. And it's, we'll get to that discussion later on, but that's, that just made me think of it where it's, yeah. Um, but yeah, so in that, I was thinking about what you said when you um, were saying that God puts us in these situations. And like, I believe that God will put you in situations sometimes. But I also think that the world is broken. And sometimes you just find yourself in a situation because of the brokenness. Like I'm thinking like a drunk driver hits someone in your family. And, you know, there's brokenness in that person's life and they have that. And you just like somehow were near that, you know, um, and you got caught up in that. And I think the, the, the thing that I like to do in those situations is I like to turn to God. Like I don't say I, I try not to say, God, why did this happen? Um, I just try and say, God, like, can you help me with the next step? Um, can you help me get to the next point? Um, and just trying to turn to him in faith and knowing that he's there for our good. Um, and the Bible does not promise that life will be easy. It says when the, the bad times come, like God will be there. It doesn't say if they will come, it says when they come. Um, yep. Yeah, that was my little thought off of what you were saying. Yeah, and then also off of that, there's, I can't remember the reference, but there's the passage that says God works all things for good for those who love him. Mm-hmm. And um, But it doesn't say that God causes all things. It says he works all things for good for those who love him. So it's not that God's, God is causing all these different things to happen to you, and but he's also working it out for good. It's just things may happen to you as a result of, fallen humanity or satan is lord over the earth right now darkness yeah so even god can use all of the things that satan is doing in the world and he still works them for good for those who love him and even though we might not seem like it's good here and now as we're experiencing it down the line and god's grand purpose over the long course of human history is going to be worked out for good so we may not even see like the good that can come of it in our lifetime but it's it's a it's bigger than anything that we can really fathom. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like the tapestry analogy that like we just live in this web of chaos. Like if you look at a tapestry, one side is the design, the beautiful print, and that's what, like God's vision. But we live on the reverse side, like the side that is is unseen. And there's like, it just looks mm-hmm. like all these twisting like uh, like threads and stuff. Um, so yeah, I like that analogy that you made. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, the other big character, like the adult, is Mazer Rackham. And we don't meet him. Well, we hear about him a lot at the very beginning of the story and throughout, like hearing what he did uh, for the during the second invasion and how he defeated all of the buggers. And um, but then we actually finally get to meet him uh, in like the final act of the story, uh, which is which is pretty cool. I liked I liked the little sci-fi where it was like he was able to they were able to put him up in a spaceship and fly him around so he wouldn't age. And then he came at back relativistic down. speed for like yeah, 50 years speed. and then he comes yeah. back and he's only aged eight years. Yeah. So. Uh, but but he described it as taking like 500 years. It felt like 500 years. I'm like, oh. You know, yep. just to be trapped on a ship for that long. Um, and just like, what do you do for 50 yep. years? I haven't, <laughs> been, I haven't even been alive for 40 years. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's a long time. I haven't been alive for 30 years. And like, years. you're not like living it up either. You're like on, you know. Oh, yeah. You're just <laughs> like in like this astronaut this little food. spaceship. So i'm sure he wasn't given like the big luxury liner where he can like walk around and have like play ping pong and play basketball and it was probably not a very fun time (laughs) but it was all in service of the of the human the human race um so yeah what did you think of mazer rackham as a character yeah i think um he was like i liked it because he was finally a character that ender could look up to I feel like a lot of the people in Ender's life, he's always like, I'm smarter than you or I'm better than you in some way. And I don't really have that much to like learn from you. Not that he doesn't learn from other people around him, but he always knows that he's Mm -hmm. the smartest person in the room at all times. And whenever he meets Mazer, that's not the case anymore. Mazer is smarter than him in some aspects. Although if you're going on based like a raw IQ, Ender was probably smarter than him, but because Mazer oh, had yeah, for sure. because Mazer had so much more life experience, he was maybe more wise than Ender. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Um, he wasn't more intelligent, but he had a lot more wisdom and more experience that he could share with Ender as he becomes like a the like a an actual commander to run and uh, lead these whole massive fleets instead of just these small little uh, armies. That yeah, he was with all used his to. squadron leaders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mazer Rackham. Um, yeah. What would you, um, you just said that uh, he's the first time that Ender is looking up to someone. And yep. yes, the crystallized intelligence, the experiences of Mazer far, you know, exceed those of Ender, who's only been alive, you know, just over 10 years. I forget how old he is at the end. Yeah, of the I think book. he was 11. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. As far as IQ goes, I mean, he's definitely. Um, above gifted, which is at IQ 130. And I think genius level is like 160 IQ. So like, I don't know, maybe yeah. what was he pushing? Like 180, 200, who knows? Ender yeah, he's, is he's way, the chosen one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. His IQ is off the charts, very high. Um, and being even higher um, than that, which is crazy. Um, but you'll learn, the, the listeners will learn more about that if they read Ender's Shadow. The story of being maybe we'll um, get to do a podcast but, on it one time yeah that'd be good all right now we're gonna let's shift gears a little bit and we're gonna take a look at a bunch of different um like character moments and people that ender interacts with throughout the story so the first and these are like basically people and obstacles that ender has to overcome at some point in the story so at the very beginning we have ender versus peter which is his brother and so basically like peter is always like a he's kind of a cruel older brother and he's like very violence oriented they said he has the soul of a jackal the soul of a jackal i like that disc yeah um but yeah so he's like and he always threatens to like kill ender and his sister valentine and he's just kind of like a like a demon little child almost and but he's he's super intelligent so he's able to like use people to get what he wants and um so yeah i don't know i don't think ender doesn't really overcome peter in a sense he just kind of he gets to escape from peter essentially because he gets taken off to battle school so 
that's mm-hmm. like one like unresolved conflict throughout the story and that kind of like follows ender throughout his time in the battle school because he's like we'll talk about the mind game in a, in a little bit where like he sees peter's face in the mind game and like he can't he can't like overcome and he can't get peter out of his life even though he's millions or thousands of miles away up in space or whatever and he still kind of like haunts ender throughout the story so yeah i don't know what did you just think of like the peter ender dynamic uh i mean i mean he is uh foundational of ender's psychology because he fears peter um and at the end of the book he says I think to Valentine, he goes, I just want Peter to love me. Like, that's all he ever wanted. And Peter yep. is there, and he's, like, threatening to kill Ender. And Ender believes it. Ender believes that um, when his monitor is taken out. So the monitor is um, basically a future technology that they insert, like, in the back of the heads of the potential, like, battle school candidates. And they monitor the person's life um, through their eyes, what they see. And... It's under the IF, the International Fleet, and they do this to Ender. And at the beginning of the book, um, they take the monitor out. And so now the IF no longer has eyes on what Ender is doing. And that's when Peter, we see Peter's mean side when he wants to play humans and buggers um, and how he's like no longer being monitored. So he's really worried that Peter might actually try to kill him now that the IF no longer has like can see through his eyes and everything. So, yeah. uh, yeah. And the mind game is, uh, definitely brings up Peter as like a major, uh, component in Ender's psychology because, um, it, like to, to Ender, Peter is the ultimate baddie. Like, um, he is the one, like the end all of like, um, I'm afraid of him and he's always going to best me. And he's always kind of been intimidated by his older brother. Um, so that, that's like the foundational psychology for Ender is, is this big fear of the big brother, someone who should love you and like protect you. And, um, but no, Ender didn't get that experience with his brother. He got the brother who threatened to kill him and who, you know, stepped on his, like they said, he stepped on his testicles, like while he was doing it, like just not a good person. (laughs) Um, yeah. So very foundational, um, no good for Ender. Yeah, and then so after Ender leaves to go to battle school, on his way up to battle school, there's this kid that's with him in his like little launch group, and his name's oh no, this is that's Bernard. This is we're gonna talk about Stilson, who's the kid at his school before he goes to battle school, and I guess um, <clears throat> after he gets his monitor taken out, the kids are like, oh now we can pick on Ender because no one's gonna be there to like protect him anymore, and so they try to like basically gang up on him i'm pretty sure if i'm remembering correctly and that's Ender, right. mm-hmm. uh he like just fights this kid and he just beats him and i don't remember Lays the, him out just like every other enemy <laughs> yeah i can't Ender remember the specifics i can't remember the specifics of how he beats him um i think he just like yeah when he was him. just down and he just started kicking him like yeah. repeatedly um to just make sure that it was a kind of like a um reactive preemptive strike ender never wanted him to be like to be bullied by stilson ever again so he just was like i'm gonna beat him up so that he'll never want to come after me because he'll be too scared to and that's kind of like ender's mo throughout the book (laughs) yeah i was just gonna say that's like the hallmark for ender is like whenever he gets in fights he fights to end it forever he doesn't fight to like just survive and fight again he's like the fight is going to happen and the fight will never happen ever again after this it's like he wins in such a convincing or such a gruesome way that like there's no room for like anybody to come back and to mess with him ever again it's like he always wants to have final victory which is when you said that it sparked this like that is such the human victory like i have to hurt someone so badly that it'll never happen again. And then we look at the story of Jesus Christ and how the way he defeated the ultimate en- enemy, the devil, is by putting himself on a cross and taking the sins of the world away and dying for our sins. Like, mm-hmm. yep. such a God thing. Um, I was talking to my friend and um, 
there's these books by C.S. Lewis, uh, like The Silent Planet, and the guy's name is Ransom. And at one point he finds himself talking to God and, um, and God tells him, my name is also Ransom. Like, you know how you ransom someone, like you pay yeah. their ransom. Um, yeah. and, I, and I was like, I was just struck by that in that moment. I'm like, yeah, God just gave us uh, eternity and purity through him. And uh, and he came to earth as a person. Like he has to live this, this earthly life in the fallen world. And he did that for us. And... Um, and also when, when something's ended, uh, like, you know, Jesus won and he has fought the battle against the devil and it's going to happen in the future. Um, we, uh, in Christianity, there's a word or, well, I think it's in Greece, uh, Greek and it's called tetelestai. And that means like, mm-hmm. once it's done, it's over forever. And, yep. uh, my wife and I, we talk about that word a lot. Um, when we talk about forgiveness, like when we make mistakes, uh, we, have learned to tell us die things versus saying like, Oh, you know, two weeks ago you did this to me and constantly like making people relive mistakes. So to tell us die is a big word in our marriage. Uh, we definitely think that, um, that's the best way to go about things is to forgive people permanently. Um, and like God to tell us die the devil by beating him ultimately. And (laughs) Ender is ending people, but in the very human way of just beating the crap out of someone so that yeah. they won't fight back. But yeah, when you said that, it just made me think of like the, the um, just the difference between how God goes about winning things and how humans have to go about winning things. Yeah, for sure. I got, yeah. And Ender, even his name is like, he, he ends things. He, oh, he he's ends end conflict. Andrew Wigan. <laughs> Ender. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what happens to Stilson's. That's like the first taste we get of how Ender approaches fights and conflicts with people. And then, so we have another situation where he's on his way to battle school with Bernard and some of the other people in his launch group. And Bernard is just picking on him. I think it's because, uh, Graf pointed him out as like, he's the best in the launch group and you guys all suck. So I just watch what Ender does. Mm -hmm. And so that, immediately puts him in isolation and all the other kids kind of want to um like gang up on him in a sense and and bernard is the guy who has the courage to actually take it to ender and try to pick on him and annoy him in some way and he kept i think he was like hitting something with his head or whatever hitting something yeah he's banging ender's head like with his fist yeah and so i think he just like ender just basically turns around and like snaps the guy's arm or something or he like throws him in a way because there's no gravity and he like f- hits hits the seat weirdly and his his hand breaks or something like that um so again where he's like he ends the conflict in a way where it's like oh you have a broken hand now you can't hit me in the head with your thing anymore because you're gonna be uh in the the er or whatever so just another situation where ender ends the conflict immediately and, and yeah, and and Bernard is uh, in Ender's launch group, and he's basically bucking to to be like the head of the launchies there. Like, um, yeah. And then I love the way Orson Scott Card knows like like this kind of strategy. So Ender makes this kind of alliance with Ally, who is also kind of friends with Bernard, and. Ender does this very subtle transfer of power away from Bernard and everyone stands behind a lie who is also a great strategist and is with Ender till the end. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I like the way that um, Ender played that because that was a very, you know, um, situation where you need a lot of empathy to understand and understand like the group dynamics like you know bernard has power but also people like a lie um so ender reads those situations perfectly in the book and i just love like thinking about like is that possible like can i do that with you know like people like is there someone that um you know like i could talk to and um you know it would end up being better because the person who's not acting uh, you know, like Bernard, kind of like a bully, like, could we like make a, a, you know, point the power to someone else in that way? So I thought that was an interesting um, approach that Ender used, which was effective. Yeah. And I think like towards the end of his time with his launch group, he was almost like they were almost all friends together. Like Bernard had kind of like given up the, 
like the tough guy kind of thing. And he was like, yeah, I, you're just, we're all friends now. And because he, he built that bridge with a lie. And I think that's also, that's like the hybrid of Ender uh, being the hybrid of Peter and Valentine where Peter's kind of the, like the violence oriented person. And Valentine is more of the empathetic kind of sibling and Ender's kind of in the middle where he has the capability to exact the violence upon people, but he also has the ability to be empathetic and understand the emotional situation at play and able to use those two things together. Um, and I think that's what makes him like a good leader because he can be like tough and he can be uh, unforgiving in certain aspects in his command, but he can also be uh, like really empathetic with you and be like talk with you one-on-one -on -one about certain things and really uh, try to understand how you feel about situations. And we see that picture with Ender a lot when he becomes the command, like the leader of the dragon army where he's really tough as a commander, but then he's also very empathetic towards the kids individually when they need help about certain things. So he can be like this kind of overseeing type character and type of commander where he's not like the, he's not like friends with everybody and they see him as like a commander, but he's also able to be, uh, um, I don't know, like empathetic or I've used that word like a hundred times. I feel like empathetic. Um, but he's able to like, uh, really sit there and listen to like your, their struggles and how they're, um, trying to learn like whatever technique it is or some kind of strategy. And he's able to talk with them and be almost like a friend to them in that situation. And, and, you know, isn't that kind of like almost a description of God, like how God holds us to like such a high standard, you know, when Jesus is preaching, I was reading Matthew earlier. Um, and he said, like, you know, people who commit homicide are going to be subject to judgment. And then he's like, I even tell you that if you are even angry with your brother or sister, yeah. that you will come to judgment. So we are held to such a high standard. I mean, the word holy means set apart. And to get into heaven, you need to be holy. Um, and so it is like, it's such a hard thing to be that pure of heart and that's why we can't do it on ourselves we have to fall on god and we have to rely on his grace because otherwise we're not getting the ticket upstairs yep that's right that's right um yeah let's uh i was with bernard so then um after he's with his uh launch group i think he gets moved to um salamander army with bonzo yeah, madrid yeah bonzo madrid bonzo i think it's yeah i think it's bonzo bonzo with an s like i think that was how they wanted yeah. you to pronounce it um yeah i don't know what did you think of what did you think of bonzo bonzo uh, oh yeah he is he is definitely the villain of battle school um yeah he's like he the, is the i mean he is the one that puts Ender's life in danger. Like if there was ever a time when yep. Ender was very close to death, it was when yep. um, him and Bonzo have the fight in the bathroom. You know, yep. Ender's going through it in his head. He's like, there's all this gravity in here versus like being in the, um, you yep. know, in the game room. And he's very worried and he's like, this just has to be a really fast fight. So Bonzo is of Spanish descent and he's got a very kind of like, he, he has a lot of pride, which we know is, you know, the ultimate fault of Lucifer. Like, you need to do things my way, and um, he hates being undermined, and Ender makes him look weak um, in his eyes, because and Ender's doing it because he, Ender's been told he's not allowed to fire his weapon in, in the battle room, and Bonzo is not using his soldier and that's like the ultimate pride like if you have if you're given a resource you need to grow it and to like use it and he's just saying nope i'm sticking you in the corner don't do anything and what does ender do he fires his weapon and he turns uh, a defeat into stalemate all by himself um yep. and bonzo hates him for it and 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 then what also bonzo hates is that dink meeker comes in trying to save ender from getting beat up and he says, you know what, Dink says, you know what matters? It's the buggers, and Ender has to fight them. 
And, uh, you know, Bonzo hates that Ender actually matters to the world at large. And, yep. you know, that's his pride getting stepped on in his book. Yep. And, you know, he can't, he cannot be happy for Ender. He wants yep. to take Ender's life um, because he feels embarrassed. And that all comes back to pride, this fiery pride that, yep. you know, if, if we're trying to follow God, we need to be humble and, and have humility. And Bonzo does not have that. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on the bonzo? Yeah, I was just thinking the pride comes before a fall, that little phrase. And that's kind of basically what happens to bonzo. And, you know, you always think like after like some time has passed, like wouldn't they, wouldn't they just kind of like, oh yeah, Ender's, he's just better than us and that's just the way it is. But there's just something about like the sinful nature that we have that we can't like we can't let it go and we can't like have, we yeah. don't like people to, we don't like people to like almost be so much better than us that they're like, we feel like they're humiliating us in a way. And I think that's a lot of how like Ender would win the battles. He would win them in ways that would be humiliating to all of the other commanders because he would just like whatever strategies they came in to the room with, he would just completely decimate it. And it just looked like yeah. it was child's play to him. <laughs> But it's also humiliating because they're older than him and he's younger than them, but he's just so much smarter than them that it's like how they just can't, um, like they can't get past like their pride. Well, some of the characters can like, like Dink doesn't care or Petra doesn't care. Like it was annoying. It was, it was annoying to them. Like at the time, whenever they got beat, but then they're like, yeah, but he's Ender. He's, that's just the way he is. I can learn from him and I can be a better person, um, by trying to be like him in some way. Um, but then you have just characters like Bonso and I think, um, what's his name? Rose, the Rose, the nose or something. Rose, the nose. <laughs> yeah. So like characters like those, like Bonso and Rose, the nose, they're just like, they're just like stuck in their like power trip and they have to be like, they either have to feel powerful over other people or they have to be better than other people or, and if they're not, then they're like, their pride is like, is just broken and they can't like they can't see yeah, past and, their pride yeah, in a way. and their and their pride yeah they get tunnel vision yeah, and tunnel bonzo vision. is also like the um like the ult like the quote-unquote like the last personal test that graph puts um ender yep. through so graph is making ender's mind so ender has this fear of peter and um, he's scared, and he's scared to lose. And Graf knows that there's a connection in, in Ender's mind between getting help from the teachers, and Graf even says at one point, he has to believe that no one will ever help him. And that is how he's going to bring out yes. Ender's true greatness. Yes. And so he, he does not help him. You know, he sets the uh, the other kids against him in the launch group. That's the first thing. Uh, yep. He goes, you know, he goes, puts Ender in isolation. Then Ender gets attacked in the uh, in the battle room with his launchy group, and they go Nova, 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 and they get around them. But Ender has to, you know, beat up like three people to get out. And then the ultimate test, like. Um, you know, Graf is being called by the IF, um, you know, the high, you know, the international military yep. presence. And they have come to them and they said, Graf, you are flirting with disaster. You're putting out a valuable and incalculable. Yeah. Like this resource, a.k.a. Ender Wigan, is so valuable. And you know that Bonzo is trying to hurt him slash kill him. Yep. Yet you do nothing. And yep. and this is Graf's like saying, we must never save Ender. And yep. I love the psychology behind this because Ender believes no one will ever come to help him. No one will yep. ever help him. And that's why he is who he is. And Graf yep. feeds that the entire book. Good yep. job, Orson Scott Card. I love that. <laughs> uh, it's so like edgy because like, you know, I feel like, you know, we're called to nurture kids, but you know, some people are pushing kids and, uh, yeah. And Graf played a dangerous game, and he turned Ender into the um, humanity-saving military strategist that he needed to be. And, and Bonzo is the last kind of piece of that puzzle. Yeah, yeah, I, I love the I love that thing with Graf, where he's like, "Yeah, I know he, people are they're going to try and kill him, but if he can't pass, 
if he can't overcome this obstacle, then he won't be able to overcome any of the other obstacles with the buggers. So his mindset is like, yeah. if Ender dies in this situation, then he wouldn't have saved us. But if he does overcome the obstacle, then he has the potential to go on to be the one who can save us from the buggers. So it's like either either lose Ender and he would have lost anyways, or he overcomes the challenge and he's he becomes like he like he like cracks the code or in a sense. Like he actually he has the 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 willpower and the the smarts to to get you through all the way to the end um and i also like the psychology as well with just the fact that i wrote down that quote where it said you won't like ender won't reach his full potential unless he knows that nobody's come gonna come and help him and i think that can apply mm-hmm. a lot to just like our lives in general like if we're constantly expecting other people to come along and help us out of situations or to help us get along in life, then we're never going to have to rely on ourselves and our own um, intelligence and our own smarts and our own intuition to like accomplish things in life. And I think that's, there's a lot of like, I mean, you could get political with like the handout culture and being on welfare and stuff like that. But I think it's just more like personal responsibility and just trying to bring as much responsibility on yourself as possible where it's like if you want to get somewhere in life like it's going to be on you to do it like you shouldn't expect other people to give you things in life because for like no reason at all like if you're if you want something in life like you're going to have to go out and work for it and take it for yourself um instead of expecting other people to give it to you so i don't know i think that's just a good like maybe thing to think about in life not that people can't help you at all in life i'm not saying there's no room to like help anybody well as at christians all. you know we're, we're supposed to like go out and be that person for other people like to give yeah. of ourselves in a sac- self-sacrificing sure. way yes. but if you are in a space that is broken and not full of christians um you know i mean they don't have to be Christians, but there are some people who will go and bend over backwards for you. But I do think that there is a healthy balance. Um, uh, I think that some people overextend themselves and they don't actually take care of themselves. I think that's a problem. Like some people are just yes, 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 yes. And they haven't learned to say no. And that ends up, you know, to their own detriment that they have, their affairs are not in order and they're helping other people. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think we are called to help out other people. Um, and But I do agree with you, Tyler. Like, we do need to take it upon ourselves to move forward. Yeah, there's, like, there's the balance between, like, whenever you're thinking about your own life, you should think, like, I have to make it happen. But that's not to say that other people can't help you out along the way. But you shouldn't, like, expect that to be something that gets you where you want to go in a sense. So it should be like a bonus almost, but yeah, like I I like how you said that as Christians, like we should be people who should like see other people in need and want to help them and give them away out of whatever situation that they're in, whether that's by teaching them a skill or helping monetarily or go just giving your time and sitting with them and talking with them, whatever thing it is that they need at that time. Like we should be people who want to go out and help and uh, give those things to those people. Um, well, Jesus not. says, if you do it to the least of uh, people, then you're doing it for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I just, I, I just think that was, that's a really good like life lesson um, in that, in that scene for sure. Um, even though it is like, it does seem like whenever you're reading it, you're like, dude, like graph, that's way overkill, man. You're just like, you're going to like, let this little yeah, kid die. Yeah, that's why I liked it. Or Scott Card like, got a little edgy there. <laughs> yeah. It's like very shocking where this guy who's like what 40 probably he's like yeah i'm gonna let this 10 year old child die in a bathroom naked and alone because like i'm trying to have him be the savior of all of humanity like the the stakes and like the stuff around it is like so insane but it's 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 like a good good little life lesson nugget there so um yeah, so speaking of graph, we can just talk about like Ender versus the teachers and like how he's always they're always like putting him in these like weird situations and they're always like playing games with his head. Um and I think we see a lot of this with the time that he's in the dragon army where they're throwing like all of these random battles, like two battles in a day, 
like random things where it's like you have five minutes to get ready and the other team is already waiting there for you in the in the battle room or whatever and they're just like messing with his head and doing everything that they can to make him lose a battle um but like that happens a lot throughout the story and other different situations as well but the teachers are like they're on his side but they're not on his side from like Ender's perspective like the Ender thinks that he's all they're always just messing with him but there's always like a purpose behind what the teachers are doing so I don't know what did you think about like the dynamic because it's mainly like Graf I guess is the main teacher who he's kind of against Graf and Dimac and Dap yeah um those those guys are like with the launchy group um yeah so Graf we, we get these interludes of where we hear and I like the audible book that I have um, because they actually hired different voice actors to do um, the teachers. Oh, really? And That's so cool. it would it would like change, um, you know, the the people who were reading. So it like made you sit up and like pay attention. But they talk about how Graf is asking for the most stacked, unfair um, battles, and the guy's like, "It's going to take years to do." He's like, "Yes, that's why I'm asking you now." And so <laughs> Graf has this big plan, this big strategy, and uh, yeah. And it is an unfair progression by any means. Well, the computer predicts it perfectly. They get it down to, um, you know, normally a commander needs three months. Ender had three and a half weeks. And then he's like, yeah. Ender's saying to himself, I, I, it's very interesting how Ender says to himself, I wish they would just put us in the battle now. We don't need another two months. And then yeah. under the door comes Ask the first you shall you know, battle order. Yeah, and uh, so it was very interesting, that timing. Um, but yeah, so the the teachers are, they do have compassion, but they are just absolutely merciless when it comes to like the training of Ender. Yeah. Um, because, and, and, and even in their conversations among the teachers, they say, if we do this, if we compromise the game and the kids know that the game can be compromised, it will ruin this school. And yeah. we learned that, there is not time and they can ruin the school because the fleets the um, that have left the earth after the second invasion of the buggers are flying out to the bugger home worlds and those ships are arriving at their destinations like while ender is in school like there is yep. no more prep time like yep. it, it is it's over um and that's why they have to like run ender through this crazy progression he yep. had a um you know, I think it was a battle one per week, and they gave him seven battles his first week. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Ender delivered every time. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, yeah, I liked that. Um, whenever he got to the dragon army, he was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Whereas, like, normally throughout the whole book, he's like, how am I going to catch up? And I'm trying to, like, figure out things on the fly. But then that was a situation where everything that he had been through before like had prepared him for this moment and he was like okay now i'm ready and he didn't actually want to wait the time that was typically going to be given to him um so i thought that was just really interesting because um you had that situation and then you also had the situation at commander school where he was like uh why has the simulations stopped getting harder like they're always they're too easy and um, I think that's when, is that when he gets to see Mazer Rackham after, right after he says that to Graf? Um, I think that's when that, that's when oh, yeah. he starts. So like after he's beaten all the simulations in the computer, he's like, it's not going to get any harder. And that's when they finally give him to Mazer Rackham. And that's when he actually starts fighting real battles with real ships and real people. Although he doesn't know that's what, ha that's what's happening, but that's right. It took yep. him yep. like talking to Graf and saying, I don't have it. I'm not. Uh, like I'm not getting better anymore. Like there's nothing to improve on anymore. He needs like, he needed real world battles to like feel like it was a challenge almost. So that kind of goes to show like I, all the things that they, that they had been doing with him throughout the course of the story, they actually worked and he was in a place where like the only thing that would be good enough for him is the actual and real battles. Yeah. And uh, can we just uh, take a, a moment and go back to Mazer Rackham when he becomes oh, yeah. Jailer Rackham and is introduced to Ender <laughs> yeah. and how yeah. uh, Ender describes him as a mindless mute, like just yeah. in his room. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And that little battle scene between those two was really good where, um, yeah. 
Uh, he like kicks you know, a sixty-year-old man in the back. It's like, <laughs> okay, yep, yeah. No, I like. I thought that was cool because you know Mazer was just waiting for Ender to drop his guard, so he kicked him once, and then he. Yep. Oh, the way he like pins Ender, like he's got his knee in his back and he's got like the back of his legs pulled up, and then he's, they, he says he lets his legs go and it hit, makes like a sickening smack on the ground. Just imagine your shins yeah. just being dropped and like yeah. hitting like cement or something. Oh, and then Ender like kicks him and they're like on the ground, and then Mazer's walking out and he like <laughs> kicks kicks him in the back, but Mazer still flings him across the room. <laughs> they were like, this will be fun. They were both yep. smiling at each other like a bunch of weirdos at the end of that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but I like I liked that with Mazer where he's like, Ender finally has someone who's kind of his equal in a way. And he yep. he was like, yeah, I'm usually, Ender's usually the patient one, but Mazer like outweighed him essentially. He was like, okay, finally, I'll give up. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of another thing where it's like, Mazer was like, the last person and like the only person that Ender could really look up to, um, throughout the story. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So then I guess finally we get to like Ender versus the buggers and I don't know how are we doing on time here. Maybe we should talk about the, uh, um, the mind game. Cause we didn't talk about the mind game yet. So maybe we can do Ender and the buggers and like the final and the ending of the story on the next episode. But then, so now let's talk about, Ender versus the mind game, um, which I always enjoyed reading those little sections. Yeah, um, me too. Just because it's like, I like the idea of having like computer games or computer programs that are like smart and intelligent and can change how the story and the program is um, like what happens in the program based on your reaction to things and how you tackle problems and obstacles in the game. And I just kind of really like that thought experiment of like what it would be like if we had things like that in our world so i don't know what did you think yeah, of the mind game episode. i know you wanted to talk about the mind game so oh yeah the I'll mind you, game is go. so good okay yeah so um yeah so the mind game is interesting because like you said it's smart and it it puts entered in situations and all the time it's collecting data and sending it back to the teachers so they're putting them you know putting these yep. kids through the mind game so that they can learn more about them things that like they don't even understand um that they're giving away and ender gets stuck at a place called the giant's drink and the giant's drink is um this huge giant and he puts two like it sounds like little shot glasses but they're giant size so they're like you know, big for a little kid. You could like, if you were a little kid, you could crawl inside of them. And there's like different like drinks inside of them. And the, he said the computer was so good that they were always switching them like different viscosities. Like this one's hot and foamy and this one's kind of sludgy looking and dark colored. Um, yep. And, and the, it's a catch 22, whatever you choose, it's going to be wrong. And you know how Ender beats this game? He burrows through the giant's eye. He says, I'm not drinking that. I'm not drinking that. Like, how violent is that? You know? And, but Ender is a winner. And he, and like, they were just impressed that he beat the unwinnable game. And he did it. And again, it goes back to that human way. He did it by, through destruction. And, you know, um, it is just a video game, but still, like, that, it was kind of graphic imagery in there that he's just like burrowing through the giant's eye. Um, And then, it becomes uh, the giant's corpse, and then we're introduced to Fairyland, and and here it's where it gets the interesting psychology of um, there's uh, Ender gets trapped in a tower with snakes, and the snakes are Peter essentially, and it's yep. basically his ultimate fear, um, and then he has this breakthrough where he like kisses the snake, and then. Because he's tried to kill the snake like hundreds of times. He's been through this scenario. Yep. And he's tried different ways and the and snakes always, are like, always different. It always bites him or something. Yeah, and kills him. And then he finally kisses it. So he wins with love. He wins with his empathy. And then um, he walks like with Valentine. So Val- like just like Peter is fun- uh, you know, foundational to uh, Ender's psychology, so is Valentine. Um, Valentine yeah. represents love and acceptance and protection and she's basically the only good force in Ender's life and he loved her and she loved him and so that was lo- like cuz his parents are t- 
totally uninvolved. <laughs> it, like yeah. in the kids' machinations, you know, um, we'll talk yeah. about Locke and Demosthenes. Um, but yeah, the parents are totally uninvolved. So the only real true protector in Ender's life is Valentine, and he loves her. And he he tell and they they ask him at one point, Ender, why have you stopped the mind game? And he says, I've won because at that point, you know, we learn in another point that Ender just wanted to be loved by his brother, and so he he wins with love, and God wins with love. I love that. Um, <laughs> And then he like walks with Valentine, and that's like that is his victory place. That is his happy place. Whereas he's yep. with his sister, who's going to be by his side and protect him. Um, yeah, I just love the whole the whole mind game scenario, and and it was so creative, like the different scenarios that um, Ender um, was in because of Orson Scott Card created them for him. Um, yeah, so I I really enjoyed. The, all the scenes with the uh, with the mind game. What about you, Tyler? What do you think? Yeah, I just I think it was uh, it's just cool to see how like the game would change and react to like what Ender did, and I liked seeing how even after like he had finished certain portions of the mind game, like those portions that he already beat would change, like the giants with like where he killed the giant, it turned into like this hill, and then it turned into like this like village almost where like people lived and they like lived inside the giant or something like that. Like the corpse of the giant or something like that. Where like after he had beaten certain, certain like games and tests, like those portions that he beat, they changed into something else that he could like interact with. And like, they could still be part of the game, but even though he had like defeated that part of the game in a sense. So I I just, I like that kind of stuff. And then we also see at the very, very end, like how like the giants, um, like the giant hill kind of parallels stuff that happens towards the very end with the, with the buggers. Um, but we'll talk about that in the next episode. So you have to stay tuned <laughs> for episode or part two of our discussion. Yeah. Come game. on back guys. It'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I think we're getting up on probably a little over an hour here. So I think we'll probably just call it there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it was really great to reread this book. Um, I just love all of the little, it's like whenever you f- read things, like you tend to forget them over time. So I, I like to reread things that I've read a few times to like, cause there's always new things that you'll find and you're in a different place in your life compared to where you were when you read the book last. So there's always like new things to pull out and new things to discover and explore. And that's a lot like, like the Christian life and Bible reading as well. Like you may have read like things in the Bible whenever yep, you were exactly seven. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> like you may have read things in the Bible when you were seven, but whenever you read the same thing in the Bible, when you're 47, you're going to have a completely different outlook on life, a completely different life experience. And you know, there's like different things that you'll pull out of what you're reading because of where you are and how your life has played out over the course of uh, a ton of years. So yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, the word is is alive and it's living, um, and that you know that's just an example of you know how are we going to jump into the word and how are we going to experience it in a new way? Because if you just give it a chance, if you jump into scripture and you read it, um, you know there are parts that will stick out to you, and as you learn to to understand them better and how they connect to other parts of the Bible, the word is alive and it will change you and it will um, help you find the right path, which is God's path. And how to be on on the way to um, living a better life because you can build your house upon the rock. Yeah. And that is a good place to end the episode. Uh, so next episode, we'll continue our discussion of Ender's Game. We'll take a look at um, like the end of the story and it's like Ender's time as the speaker for the dead and what that means. And then we'll look at some of the stuff with Peter and Valentine and Locke and Demoth. How do you how did you say Demoth's? Demosthenes. 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 Uh, always with yeah. the names to not pronounce them right. Um, so yeah, we'll take a look at them and what's happening on Earth because there's a lot of stuff in like politics happening um, on Earth that we didn't really talk about. So we'll get to some of those things. So stay tuned for that episode. It should be in two weeks after this episode here airs. Uh, yeah, remember to go to our 
website, pagesoflight.com. You can check out our blog um, and all their different YouTube videos that we uh, are putting out. Uh, I think the most recent video I put out as of recording this, uh, the one that I just put out recently was a, uh, a, a video on The Last God, the hardcover release of that comic series, uh, which was really good. One of my favorite comics that I've read so far. So go check that out if you're interested in like interested in like dark fantasy series like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Uh, some really good stuff. Uh, yeah, make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or not Twitter. I'm not on Twitter because I don't like Twitter, but uh, all the other things you can follow me on. And Gabe, where can people follow you again? Hey, come check out neighborhoodnerdservices.com slash quarantine quartermaster. Oh, is the URL up? It is not. (laughs) (laughs) But when someone listens to this in the future, it will be alive. I promise. That's true. I didn't didn't think of that. People may listen in a year from now and then then they can go and look at it. So yeah, that's right. Neighborhoodnerdservices.com, maybe slash quarantine quartermaster, depending on when you're re- listening or watching this. Um, so yeah, check out Gabe and all the stuff he's doing over there. Uh, yeah, links to all those things will be in the description. If you want to support us, please go over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. It really helps us out. And you can also leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're on, Apple Podcasts or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, or you can just tell someone in person, tell a friend if. Uh, you enjoyed listening to this discussion if you love the book Ender's Game and you want someone else to listen to this discussion as well from a Christian worldview perspective Uh, yeah thanks for listening remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week and we will see you guys in the next episode